Welcome to Life Church. My name is Dylan Johnston, and it is so good to be with you today. We are continuing our series, Summer at Life Church, and today we'll be in John chapter 9. I want to thank Pastor Aaron for the opportunity to speak today. And as you're turning to John chapter 9 in your Bibles or on your smartphones, uh, I've always found in my life that upon meeting new people, um, that I I find weird quirks or oddities about them. And and someone will tell me after I interact with someone for the first time, they'll they'll come up to me and say, oh, that's just Sally being Sally. Or, oh, that's just Sarah being Sarah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like uh, you you know someone that gets angry at the slightest things. Maybe they're watching their sports or maybe they drop something at home and immediately anger flares up and and you're just like, oh, that's, that's just the way they are. Or, or uh, it's, it's uh, someone that is a people pleaser to the point of an annoyance. It's, it's just over the top. No matter what you do, they're always trying to please people. And you're just like, oh, that, that's just how my mom is. Or, or maybe you know someone that, that they, they cook way too much food for how few people will be eating. And you're just like, oh, that's, that's just my grandma. That's, how, that's the way grandma is. That's how she is. Or maybe it's someone that always finds an excuse as to why not to do something. And you're like, oh, that's just how they are. That, that's just how they're wired. That's just their personality. Or, or maybe it's someone that's chronically late. And you, you say, oh, man, that's just John Michael. He's, it's just John Michael. That's just how he is. He's just always going to be late. It's who he is. Perhaps you've been labeled a certain way. You're the chronic complainer, you're late Larry, you're panic Patty, you're angry Alan, you're whiny Whitney, you're talkative Terry, you're depressed Danny, you're pessimistic Patricia, etc., etc. Maybe you have been labeled over the course of your life, and though it seems almost second nature to label others, I've found that most of us, if not all of us, hate being labeled ourselves. No one wants to be the lazy millennial, the ignorant and over-opinionated Gen Z, or the out-of-touch boomer. None of us want to be labeled ourselves. In fact, all of us want not to be labeled and want to live label-free. One thing I've noticed all throughout the Bible is that God, uh, and upon an encounter with people, God often changes the labels that have been placed on people's lives. We look in the Old Testament and we see Abram's name was changed to Abraham. We see that Sarai, upon an encounter with God, her name was changed to Sarah. In the New Testament, we see Saul, after an encounter on the road to Damascus, his name was changed to Paul. All throughout scripture, God is in the business of changing labels. Even when Jesus is here on this earth, walking the face of this earth, he encountered people who were not identified by their name in the scripture and the text that we have, but rather they're identified by their label. You have the demon-possessed man, the lame man, the woman at the well, the woman with the issue of blood, the leper. All of them, upon an encounter with Jesus, their name and label changed and shifted Because of that moment. Today I want to speak a message to you titled, Labels Lifted, Life Unlimited. Labels Lifted, Life Unlimited. 
And here in John chapter 9, we have another prime example of a moment where someone encounters Jesus that had a label on their life. And upon one moment, one encounter, one interaction with Jesus, their label was lifted and their life became unlimited. Let's read together John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It says this, as he went along, he being Jesus, uh, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, I think we need to take a pause right there before we continue moving forward because I, these first few verses raise an important question that is actually an incredibly difficult question to answer and wrestle with. And I think it's one that we won't really have a full understanding and comprehension of until maybe we reach heaven. Um, but this question is, if there was a God, why does he let bad things happen? If there is a God, why would he let these things take place? And I would imagine that there's many people watching this currently that you've had that question before, or maybe today you have that question right where you are. My intent here in this moment and in this message is not to provide an extremely scholarly answer to be able to assuage your issues and your situations to help navigate and, and, and bring down the tense levels that you feel inside, but rather my hope today is to provide you with a little bit of hope, a little bit of, uh, a little glimpse of God that, that might bring you an eye-opening experience that even in the midst of your pain and your distress, you see that there is joy. You see, when Jesus says that the purpose of the blindness in this man is that for the works of God might be displayed in him, he's essentially saying that uh, what God can do and the works of God in this man and through this man's life are going to be far greater than years and years and years of blindness. How that would apply to your life and how that would apply to my life is that the works of God that he wants to do in and through our lives are far greater than the pain we suffered when we were eight, far greater, greater than the pain of the loss we've suffered over the last year, and far uh, immeasurably greater than what we've experienced or done to cause pain in and around our lives. That what God wants to do in us is far greater than what we could ever imagine. Which brings us to our first point today. Our, our first point is this. God has a wise, good, and Christ-exalting purpose. God has a wise, good, and Christ-exalting purpose. Essentially, the confession of Jesus' actions and words is that the glory of God being experienced in our life is far greater, far greater than the worst issues we've ever faced. The, the glory of God being encountered in our lives is immeasurably greater than the worst moments we've ever had. In fact, it's more valuable than life itself. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 63 verse 3 writes, Your steadfast love is greater or better than life. Your steadfast love is better than life. What he's writing there, the psalmist, is he, he's saying that being loved by God, it's greater than life itself. 
It's greater than every joyous experience you could accumulate and accrue. It's, it's greater than the successes you can have and what you can achieve. It's greater than anything you could ever do. It's greater than the greatest vacation. It's greater than the greatest party. It's greater than the greatest gift you could get. The being loved by God is greater. Greater than even life itself. It's far better than having eyes and, uh, and being able to see, and it's better than being alive in this world. L- listen, listen, listen. If we don't believe that, if we don't believe that being loved by God is greater than even a, a, this life itself, if we don't believe that, then saying that God has wise and good purposes in all of our losses, in all of our hurt, in all of our pain, um, that's not going to be much comfort. It's not going to help you much. If you don't believe that, that really being loved by God and, and living this life with God is far greater than anything else, then, then, then saying that in the midst of our pain God has a purpose, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help pick you up. It's not going to help propel you forward. And yet, if you do believe that God has a Christ-exalting purpose in our lives, it, it makes a total difference. It makes us able to patiently wait and, and, and gently help others through their times of difficulty and of darkness. And it comforts us and it strengthens us. And, and though we may never have the exact words to say to others when they're walking through difficult times, and, and though we may never even have the right understanding of what to say to ourselves as we are in the midst of the darkest moments of our life, we do know that there is a hope and we have an anchor for our soul. Today you may not understand why God lets bad things happen, why God allows such things to take place in our world, and yet at the same time, I know that if God has a good Christ-exalting purpose for our entire world, then I have a hope and an anchor for my soul that there is a better tomorrow or a better future or a better eternity uh, that that I can look forward to. God has a Christ-exalting purpose for your life. Do you see it? The second thing we see here today as we continue moving is that God gets ultimate glory through our dependence on him. God gets ultimate glory through our dependence on him. Listen, listen, listen. This isn't isn't that God gets ultimate glory through your achieving or, or God gets ultimate glory through your business's success or God gets ultimate glory through you giving in an offering or God gets ultimate glory through you singing and lifting your hands or God gets ultimate glory through how many times a year do you attend church? No, no, no. God gets ultimate glory through your dependence on him. What that's saying is it's not my ability to do it, but it's all about God. I want to continue in John chapter 9 and see how this plays out in this story. In verse 6, after saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. In verse 7, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So Jesus saw the plight of this blind man, healed him in a very unique way. I wouldn't encourage anybody that's watching this today to go spit on mud and put it on someone who's blind's eyes and just think that it's going to be fixed. I I wouldn't try that. That's not something I would encourage you to do. If it works, let me know. Uh, Jesus does this very peculiar miracle. And then after that moment, in the rest of John chapter 9, you see this blind man confronted by the Pharisees, the religious people. 
the, the people who kept very strict laws, they hated when your hair was a little too long. They hated when you had tattoos. They didn't want you to wear that outfit. They, they had these very strict religious laws. You couldn't eat this, but you could eat this. You couldn't go here on this day, but you could go here on this day. It was, it was a, a, whole, a whole list of, uh, of things that they had to abide by. And so they show up and they begin to question this man born blind. Who, who did this? How did this happen? And over and over and over again, this man's responses elicit and show his full dependence on God. It, it depicts his full dependence on God. I, I want to read to you one encounter and then I also want to read to you the rest of the man born blind's responses all throughout this chapter. Okay, So here in verse 9 it says, he himself insisted, the blind man, he insisted, I am the man. Essentially saying, I'm the man that was blind but now I see. I, I was that man. And then the Pharisees ask, how then are your eyes open?" He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed, and then I could see. Later, he says, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. This, uh, he is a prophet. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of the opening of, of the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Do you see? In the midst of John chapter 9 and all of the encounters with the Pharisees, with the Pharisees talking to him, with the Pharisees talking to him a second time, with the Pharisees bringing his parents into the conversation, each and every single time the man born blind testifies his full dependence on Jesus. It wasn't me that made myself not blind anymore. It wasn't me that fixed it. It wasn't me that put mud on myself and told myself to go wash in the pool of Siloam. No, 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 no. There was this man. His name was Jesus. And I don't know where he came from. And I don't know where he's going. And I don't know what he really looks like because I was blind. And I don't know, I don't know who he really is. But I do know this one thing. And this one thing is this, that I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know how it all came to pass. But he healed my eyes. I don't know how it all came together, but he fixed my malady. I don't know how it all came to a head, but he rectified my life. He restored who I am. He brought me back together again from the brokenness that I once was, which brings me great hope. When I read a story like this, it brings me great hope because I don't think Jesus is looking for the greatest orator or the greatest speaker or preacher in this world. He, he's not necessarily looking for the greatest writer or, or the greatest blogger or vlogger that you can imagine. He's not even necessarily looking for the sharpest businessman or woman in this world. He can use all of them, but God is simply looking for someone who is willing and able to say it's not because of me, but it's all because of him. It's not because of my ability, but it's all because of his ability. It's not me achieving, it's him achieving. It's not my glory, it's his glory. It's not my ability, I'm fully dependent on him and him alone. Do you see that in the midst of doing that, you bring maximum glory to God and not to yourself? You see, I think this is more than just getting to, uh, getting to the professional sports and winning your championship, getting Super Bowl MVP and sitting in the post-game conference and people are asking you, how'd you do it? How did it feel? And you're sitting there and you're saying, well, it wasn't me. It was all God. God made this happen. You see, I think it's more than that. And I don't discredit that. I don't think that it's wrong to give God glory in that moment. But what if all along the way 
you give God glory for even waking you up that day? What if you give God glory for simply getting you to work uh, without an accident and safely? What if you give God glory and show your full dependence on him when, when before you even enter the practice field or enter the office that day or enter your job interview, you say, hey, God, if this is your will, let it be done. But if it's not, let me find what your will is. God, I want your will, not my will. As, as John writes, um, that I must decrease so that he may increase. It's not about me, but it's all about him. You see, we took students on a missions trip. Uh, we, we, we did serve MKE this, this past week, and uh, we, we've done mission trips in the past summers to Puerto Rico and Belize. And one thing I always have students repeat after me is this. It's not about me. It's all about them. Meaning it's not about me. It's all about the people that I'm going to serve. In fact, it's never about me. It's always about him. Real quick, to, again, it, it goes, it's not about me. It's all about them. In fact, it's never about me. It's always about him. You see, what I'm trying to instill in our students is that regardless of how difficult it may get that day or how tired you may be, it's not about you. It's all about the people you're serving. In fact, it's never about you. It's always about serving and seeing God be brought the glory. What if we lived our lives that way? To where we lived in such a way that everything we did was to bring glory to God. And not, not just in our successes, but, and not just on our mountaintops, but also in the valleys. That we attributed glory to God. That, that everything we did was to bring glory to God through a full dependence on God. You see in the New Testament, and um, Paul is writing and he says, Whether you eat or drink, give glory to God. Do it unto the glory of God. No matter how small the task is, that, that you can do it in such a way to bring glory to God. You see, a dependence on God is not about necessarily your behaviors, but it's a heart issue. Is your heart surrendered to God in such a way that if he says move, you move. If he says stop, you stop. If he says go, you go. If he says pick your family up and move them across the country, you do. But if he says stay, when the offer to get a better job and a promotion and better money across the country comes up, but God says stay, you stay. Does your life resemble a complete dependence on God? If you were confronted and the Pharisees continually come to you and they ask, how did this happen? How did you receive sight? If you were that man that was born blind, how do you now see? Would you continually and repeatedly testify that it was only through Jesus and nothing that you could do on your own? Do we depend on God so much that without him our lives would be a wreck? Do we depend on God to such a degree that, that without him we, we would have nothing? Do we depend on God to such a degree that we are able to say it's only because of God and we attribute maximum glory to who he is? The third thing we see here in this passage is that the works of God are designed to lead to the worship of God. The works of God are designed to lead to the worship of God. The Pharisees, they, they come back to this man, and it says in verse uh, 24, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. They say to him, give glory to God by telling the truth. That's a good way to give glory to God. But then they say, we know that this man, they're talking about Jesus, is a sinner. So essentially they're saying, give glory to God by telling us that Jesus is a sinner, telling us that he is wrong and telling us that he didn't do it. Essentially they're saying, give glory to God by blaspheming Jesus. You see, there's two responses when you encounter God. It's either to turn away from God or to turn 
to God. It's either to walk further away, to deny what God did, or to walk closer to him and embrace who he is. And we see two different responses here in this passage. The Pharisees um, saw the miracle, they saw the change, and they denied that Jesus could have been the possible answer. They denied to give glory to God, and they walked further away. This man, however, at the end of the passage, we see a response in his life, much like we see all throughout the Gospels of people that encounter Jesus, of a life changed, labels lifted, life unlimited. This is what it says in verse 38. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. You see, the work of God is not just to heal blinded eyes, to part the seas, to walk on water, calm the storms, to heal the lame, heal the leper. It's not just to raise the dead or cast out demons. The works of God are not just there to exist on an island by themselves, but the works of God are always there to uh, and designed to point to the worship of God. The works of God in our world are not just there to be uh, this, this grandiose moment for God to show off, but rather... But rather, they are there to point us closer to Jesus, to point us closer to God. And I get it. Today, you may be watching this and you may be thinking, I I don't know if I feel or know the work of God in my life. I don't know if I experience the works of God in me. And yet I would challenge you, if that's you today, look around. Look around. Look at the flowers of the fields. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the trees. Look at the bushes. Look, uh, look at the sunset. Look at the mountains. Look at the valleys. Look, look, look all around you. You will see God. You see, ever since I was a kid, I, I would hear about people talking and, and bragging about the sunset. And I, I knew that this was just such a beautiful concept. That you walk outside at the perfect sunset with the, the sun hits the horizon. and it, it just seems as if this great artist took a, a, a paintbrush and began to paint the skies different colors and different shades and the correct hues. And the gradient is this beautiful expanse and this beautiful expression of who God is. I, I challenge you, look around. If that's not enough, if that's not big enough, let Let's go even at a macro level and get bigger with this. Our planet, the Earth, is um, approximately 25,000 miles around and is inhabited by over 1.6 million species of plant and animal life. Our planet supports all this life because of a finely tuned balance of factors. If, if any of these factors were just even changed minutely, our world would be drastically different and life would cease to exist. Our, our sun is one star of 200 to 400 billion stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way. The, the Milky Way is 100,000 light years across and 1,000 light years thick. It would take us over 1 million years to travel one light year in a plane. And if that doesn't make you feel small, our galaxy is one of more than 350 billion galaxies in our universe. The works of God, they're all around us. They're they're on the ground, they're in the air, they're in the space, and yet sometimes we miss all of that because of what we're concerned with is Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, whom for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. What would happen if we so drastically changed our perspective on life to where every day we woke up and our challenge was to ourselves, how often can we see God in this day? 
Can we see God as we're headed to work today rather than just being consumed with whatever is currently going on in our life? Can we see God as we are headed off uh, to pick up our kid from school or, or will we just be consumed with the business phone call? Can we see God as we are beginning to lay down at night and get our family ready for bed or, or will we just be consumed with the random kid that won't go to sleep when we yell at them to do so? What if we began to live life on mission to see the works of God which would propel us further into a worship of God? What if we began to lift our eyes and see the works of God all around us? Could that maybe just perhaps elicit within us an understanding of the works that God is doing here in our hearts? I believe today that God is not just working all around us, that when you leave and you go outside today, if you get to go outside today, I believe that I believe that when you look up into the sky, you'll see the works of God. I believe that when you, when you look down at the grass, you'll see the works of God. That when you see the animals, the, the, the plants, the, 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 the life and the organisms that exist in our world, you will see the work and the expanse of God. My challenge is, let that lead you, propel you, motivate you to a worship of God. See, the works of God are all around us, and today I believe that God is working in us. A couple questions as we begin to close. Do I believe that God has a bigger purpose? I get it. My life may stink right now. I may have had just unquestionable difficulties throughout my life. Do I believe that God has a bigger purpose? Do I believe as Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but your will be done? Do I believe as John said in his gospel, I must decrease so he must increase? Do I believe that or do I not? Do, do I believe that God has a bigger purpose? The second question, does my life resemble, does my life resemble complete dependence on God? Does my life resemble that? Am I, am I still working, striving, trying to achieve? Am I still trying to make, uh, to make the most of who I can be? Or does my life resemble a complete dependence on God? One that is fully surrendered. One that is led by the Holy Spirit to go where he says, do what he do, uh, does, and, and to listen when he says to listen, to stop when he says to stop, to get up when he says to get up, to sit when he says to sit. Is my life in complete dependence on God? That regardless of what the world has to offer, I know that God has greater things in store. Does my life resemble complete dependence? The third question, do the works of God propel me to the worship of God? Do I notice the works of God enough and do they propel me to the worship of God? Listen, you, you may have entered today this service with a label on your life. Perhaps you've been labeled as the recently divorced, the widowed, the addict, uh, the, the one who can't get their life together, uh, the chronic mess the one who uh, is, is incessantly trying to gain the attention of others and yet constantly failing. Uh, maybe today you found yourself as the one, the, labeled as the one with all of the issues, the one with the, the, the family issues, the one with the, the, one with the arguing parents, the, the, the label of you, you're the one that just can't make relationships work. I don't know what the label is that's been on your life, but I do know this, that there's a God who's greater than the label that has been placed upon you. 
I do also know this, that we can be labeled as one way for so long that it gets to a point where we adopt that label ourselves and it becomes our identity. I can only imagine for this man born blind that over the course of his life, he had been uh, incapable of seeing for such a long time that he eventually just re- kind of moved to this place where he was going, he, he was the blind man. His name was less important now than his condition was. And so he had come to this position in this place where he, he was blind and he needed help. And everything he did, he needed the aid of others. And perhaps today, your label has become your identity. And your name no longer holds its place. Your, your, your belief system no longer is what matters most, but the label has become who you are. And every morning you wake up and every night when you go to sleep, that's how you identify yourself. But I think we see here in the story with this man born blind, that we have a savior, an all sufficient savior, an all knowing, all wise, all powerful Jesus, who has the ability through one encounter, through one moment, through, through just some mud and some clay, through just some dirt, through just a washing, can, can change our lives forever, can lift the labels off of us and change our lives to go from very limited to a life unlimited. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is speaking and he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Do you believe that Jesus is not just about you getting by? Jesus is not just about you getting and surviving. Jesus is not just about you making it through today, but Jesus is about the fullest life you could ever have. Life unlimited, labels lifted. Will you allow Jesus to lift your labels today? Whatever you came to this message and to this service carrying, I believe that God wants to lift that. That if you allow him to, he will lift the label off of your life and give you a life that is truly unlimited. I invite you to surrender your life to Jesus. To allow your label to be lifted so your life can be unlimited. A life that sees what God is doing and magnifies him in all you do. A life that proclaims boldly and courageously, I once was blind but now I see. I once was an addict but now I'm free. I once was divorced but now I'm fully committed and surrendered in a relationship with God forever. I once was this way, but now I'm this way. My heart was once broken, but now I'm restored. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dependent on myself, but now I'm dependent on God. I don't know what your testimony is or what your statement is that that's small. I once was blind, but now I see. But I know, though a small statement, it's a powerful one. Though a small statement, it's one that can change the course of your life forever if you begin to daily remind yourself, I once was this, but now I'm this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. And continually and daily and often proclaim your dependence on God. I once was blind, but now I see. Today and every day, I believe Jesus offers you a life untethered to the labels of this world untethered to how others may view you, uh, completely disconnected from how people may try to assign you and try to identify you as, but Jesus offers you a life that is completely encompassed in all that God is. My question today is, will you accept it? Will you embrace it? And will you allow your label to be lifted so your life can be unlimited?
Just as Jesus did with the blind man, so Jesus offers you today. He wants to lift your label and expand your life. Would you bow your heads with me today? Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we recognize our inadequacies to bring about change in our own lives. We recognize that today we may be listening to this or watching this and we have found ourselves in a position and in a place that our labels have overtaken who we are today. God, we surrender to you. And we ask that you would lift our labels, that our lives could be unlimited in you. That you would lift our labels, that we could have the full life that you alone offer. Today we proclaim our full dependence on you. We surrender all that we are, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us, that our lives would be fulfilled in you. Lord, today we choose to let the works of God move us closer to the worship of God. That when we see you all around us in our daily lives, we would daily lives, we would not just run past it, but we would run to you and we would begin to worship you. That our lives would be consumed with bringing you ultimate glory and ultimate worship. And we would stand the test of time. And when challenged, when we face issues, when we face situations, and when we face people that question our lives, we can easily say to them, I once was blind, but now I see. I may not have all the answers, but it was that man, Jesus, who changed my Lord, we thank you. We give you all glory and honor and praise. We celebrate you today in Jesus' name. Amen.